Hello, and welcome to How She Does It. My name is Stacey Pezzold. I'm a 44-year-old retired chief operating officer of a publicly traded technology company. I started my career 20 years prior as a single mom living in a trailer in Beggs, Oklahoma. People often ask me, how do you do that? This podcast is designed to answer that very question. Okay, well, welcome today to Alex Pezzold. Uh, If it's not obvious, this is my husband. And I wanted to bring him on the podcast today because there's something I think that's really important to women, and that is having a really strong and supportive partner and a true partner in all things in life and business. Um, And I've been fortunate enough to have one of those. And so I wanted to bring you on today um, to really share with our listeners kind of a little bit about our journey, um, our relationship, um, our marriage. We've been together now. How long, honey? As of October 17th, 15 years married. Yes. Five years prior to that, so circa, I don't know, 2004, 2003, yes, so 20 2004, years. 2004, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, 20, just crazy. Long time. It's been a long time, and I'm so glad you got that right. Um, you've often missed on our anniversary in the number of years. But Every year. I have trained you well, so here we are. I just want to share with the listener kind of what it looks like to have a true partnership and what that meant for me, uh, because the reality is, in my career, the successes um, that I was able to achieve um, and even getting through the struggles were a lot in part due to you, because you were just honestly a true partner to me. Um, I remember growing up and sometimes the feedback that I would get um, is that I was too intimidating as a woman, um, which is really just kind of shitty advice to hear or (laughs) shitty feedback. But it's like, okay, am I supposed to be less bold, less confident, less me, you know, in order to attract a partner? Um, And I think sometimes I tried to do that. And I think I tried to be less than and I tried to be maybe small or fit into a certain mold. And obviously that that didn't serve me well. That is not me at all. Um, So dialing back 20 plus years ago, I just want to let the listener know a little bit about you and I. Um, Do you remember how we met? We met at a bar, our friend, Matt McClarty. So yeah, he said, uh, hey, Bart's, we're all going out. And it was our guy friend group. And then we went to the Brook. Yes. And that's where we first met. I had no idea that you were going to be out, but that's that's how we first met. Oh, I thought it was your going away party. That was after. Oh, the second time. Okay. Well, so that was a big deal too. I had seen you and I was like, ooh, this guy, he's the one. I, I knew somehow, I think it was the camo shorts you were wearing. Um, cargo shorts. Cargo shorts. Yes. Hot. Those were so high. Those were like your staple item. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was so excited. With I saw the you. Snap. The pearl snaps. You had a lot of, you were just had such great fashion back then, honey. And obviously nothing's changed. <laughs> um, but here we are, and I'm thinking, man, this guy is awesome. We chatted a little bit, kind of bantered back and forth, and I thought, he is like, there's something about him. Um, and then come to find out, we were at your going away party, and you were leaving the next day for Washington, D.C., which was like such a heartbreak, because I thought, oh my God, I finally met this great guy. Um, and just to put it in perspective for the listener, at this time, I'm a single mom. Um, Aiden would have been maybe one and a half, yep. almost two years old when we met. Um, And so it was like, oh, what a bummer. I've just met this guy and we have something in common. Um, Anyway, fast forward, you move on to D.C. um, and you and I kind of continue to talk. You come back in town for a Thanksgiving break and we had a bunch of mutual friends and we see each other again and things kind of just took off from there. And what was really neat as a single mom is that it really provided me the opportunity to get to know you better without, Mm -hmm. you know, really having to kind of like push that on Aiden and really for both of us um, to get to know each other better. What was it like for you dating a single mom? It wasn't really 
to me any different than dating a just a regular woman. Like it was honestly, I I knew you had responsibilities, but I was all the way in Washington, D.C. So the only thing that I got to hear was like, hey, I'm cooking dinner for Aiden or, hey, we went to the park or, hey, Mm -hmm. this is what we did uh, together today. So there was, you know, um, on the sidelines because I had not met Aiden. Right. I just got to hear all the cool things that you guys were doing. And it never really bothered like it never never bothered me a bit that you were a single mom. You know, it was just like, hey, you're a great person. And I now I get to hear about what a great mom you are. And I think that that's part of the story is we had the opportunity to actually get to know each other mm-hmm. and we had to communicate over the phone, which means like um, spending time, like hours, uh, I can remember hours on the phone, you know, f- from time to time, just uh, communicating. And that helped me understand you, learn you, mm-hmm. helped us kind of get our wavelengths and how we communicate down pat because uh, I don't know that we've ever had a problem communicating as a result of that, as That's opposed true. to you know constantly you know, like trying to figure out like what we're trying to say to one another. It's actually yep. pretty obvious, and I think that stems all the way back to you know, just being forced to communicate for what three years. Yeah, we were long distance for quite some time, which was really nice because it did give us both the opportunity to get to know each other better. Do you remember like reading books together or like? <laughs> so <laughs> back when you read a, a little bit of truth here. I, <laughs> I don't know how to read. Okay, well, we know that. We know that you study articles and websites. That's your form of reading, (laughs) short blurbs. Um, But yeah, it was honestly for us, it was a great time to get to know each other before we had to really rush into anything and really gave us the time to make sure that it was a fit. And Mm -hmm. you're right, the communication piece was huge because we were forced to talk on the phone. There was no FaceTime. There was some sort of new technology that was out or around at that time Just that you introduced us that to. That really okay. didn't work that <laughs> well. Yeah, very delayed and very paused. I bought you uh, one and you tried to hook it up to your mom's like 1995 PC. Yeah. Right, it was super funny trying to get that thing to work. Uh, but it uh, it was it was more frustrating than anything else. So yeah. we just stopped doing it. I feel like yeah, and I feel like we tried, and I feel like you were very natural, and I was always looking at myself and and checking to make sure I looked okay. No, um. <laughs> there's no reflective time. surfaces. What a so, yeah. time! Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> funny. Well, something that that makes me think of that I think is really important is I remember as a single mom. Um, thinking that I was going to have trouble dating. And in fact, somebody telling me, you're going to have a really hard time finding a boyfriend as a single mom. Um, And I kind of took that as fuel, like as a Mm -hmm. challenge of like, oh, watch me and wait and see. Um, And then I remember like my best friend's mom, who was like a second mother to me, you know, sharing that comment with her. And she said something really impactful. She said, no, actually having a son or having a child is going to be the best thing that you can do because it's going to keep all the assholes away and only attract the strong, confident, respectable men. And that's nice. Well, that's true. That is exactly (laughs) what happened with you. And just as you described that of like, you know, I just looked at you like any other woman. I mean, I know that that's probably just that is who you are, and that's who you've always been to me and to Aiden in our clear, lives. You're not just any other woman. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, yeah. honey. I appreciate that a lot. But the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast today is because I know that there's a lot of young women that are on and are listening. Um, they're either looking for a partner, um, you know, or they're in the process of dating. What would you say, kind of out of the gate, are some qualities that you want to look for in a man um, in terms of a, a, a good, true partner? I mean, it, in my opinion, it just goes back to being supportive. You yeah. know, you have to be supportive of the person that you're with. You know, it, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, clearly, you know, 
the intensity of, of you know, being committed, being uh, supportive is only going to grow, I feel like, because yeah. it did with us, right? It's like any type of relationship you trust but validate. Yeah. Like, I think you're a great person, but I just want to make sure of it. But as you go along, it's just easier to become more natural, more yourself with the person that you want to support, that you want to potentially be with. That, mm-hmm. you know, with, with you in particular, it was the confidence that you had in watching you with your career and watching you, you know, not only juggle a career with your home life, with this boyfriend that wasn't in town, mm-hmm. like not even in state, but, you know, you just see how neat a person is. And so mm-hmm. you have the, you know, you want to be able to support that person. You want to get to know them, trust them, love them, you know, really mm-hmm. engage and, you know, be a part of their life. So the qualities that, you know, if I were, if I were looking at like where Ava would, what I, what I would love to see Ava have, mm-hmm. it would be somebody who's, you know, not only loves her for who she is, but also raises her up on a pedestal. Mm. Yeah, because it's, and that's pretty cliche, I feel like. Um, but the reality is, is that we all deserve the opportunity to be great, Aww. right? And yeah. I think that anybody who's not willing to foster an environment where somebody can be great, they're probably too fragile mm-hmm. for that person. Yep. If, they're, if, they're, if they're so tied up in you know, themselves that they can't see the light in somebody else and let them shine and be bright and be awesome, then probably not, probably not for you, probably not for Ava, probably not for any woman, because that's, that to me is, you know, if they're not supportive, they should probably just scoot on down the road and figure out their own problems. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's the thing that I always saw in you was a level of confidence and strength in yourself and who you were. And that was always something that I admired out of you. And because you had that level of confidence, I think you felt secure to support me and all the things that I was doing. And I think we both saw that in one another. Um, you know, we talk about, well, one of my favorite memories is, you know, driving in the Chevy Tahoe, um, which was our only asset early on in our marriage, probably, or even, was it even before we were married? Um, yeah. But anyway, the the Chevy Tahoe was paid for, and we both had uh, great careers, we felt like at the time, mm-hmm. and we were both making over $50,000 a year, mm-hmm. and we were discussing how together we were going to make six figures. This is amazing. And that we had a paid off Chevy Tahoe, and you and I just thought we were the richest people in the world. 10000 uh, in the bank, something <laughs> $10, like that. $10,000 yeah. in savings. We're in our early 30s. Um, you know, but I just, I love that story because to me, it is just kind of a reflection of how we felt together as a team and as a partnership, that all the things that we were doing, we kind of, you know, always kind of approached, I feel like our careers and our bit like as our business, Mm -hmm. you know, um, whether, and so I know we're not here to talk about your career today, but I do think it's important for the listener to understand that Alex is a founder and a CEO of his own company, um, TokenX. And so, you know, we were both able to build and do great things. And it wasn't like, this is my career over here and this is your career over here. All of it was for Team Pezzled, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever we were doing. And so, um, and I love that, that we were just there to support one another and to bring out the best in one another. You bet. Um, So that was one of my favorite, favorite pieces about us and about our story. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit um, to the listener, kind of the early days, you know, we're long distance, you meet Aiden, um, you know, 
I'm sure there's people that are curious, what is that like to join kind of a blended family to come into kind of a, even before you were a stepdad role, kind of this male role model and figure, you're dating this woman, you love her, you're meeting her son for the first time, just kind of paint a picture of all the emotions that mm-hmm. were happening for you, levels of responsibility, dynamic with Aiden. I mean, it's kind of a power packed question, but just maybe set the scene a little bit for what that looked like in the early days, how that felt for you and how you approached it. So the good news is, you know, there was the, there was the blending period, like where I knew Aiden was there, yeah. but you, but uh, you wouldn't let me meet him for like six months. Right. So there was like, you get to know somebody by proxy. So mm-hmm. I got to know Aiden through you mm-hmm. and like his character and like his personality and the funny things that he's doing and the great <laughs> things that he's doing at school. And, um, you know, the fun stories about him with a uh, puppy, which was oh. a <laughs> laundry basket that he was pulling through the, pulling through the uh, grocery store. With like, my belt of my robe tied to it, yep. he would call it puppy and puppy would have to go everywhere with us into Walmart, into Target. <laughs> we couldn't leave puppy you were, Yeah, you're not, you can't leave puppy in the car. <laughs> a lot less expensive than an actual animal. Yeah, and a lot less maintenance. <laughs> so I just, you know, you do what you have to do. You roll with it. But no, yeah. you hear those, you hear those neat things. Yeah. So, you know, you already have this uh, picture of, of who a is or I had a picture of who Aiden was yeah and you know whenever we had the opportunity like and again easing into that <clears throat> I think is is probably pretty important as well is because yeah. you know even at that age 24 25 26 ish you probably haven't developed fully mm-hmm. as a person I think that particularly with males like you're still developing into your 30s yeah. and so like you know, stair-stepping into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a great way to get to know you, then mm-hmm. get to know Aiden. Yeah. Like, we had to figure ourselves out, and then the introduction to Aiden was great. It was, I mean, it was very natural, and I just want to be buddies. Yeah. You know, hang out, have fun, pal around. Yeah. I'm as juvenile, at probably the same age level as he was at the time mm-hmm. with just playing with Legos, playing with different toys. Nerf like guns. Nerf guns. Everywhere. Yeah, just, you know, making you know, kind of making the most of it. Yeah. So um, because I only got to see him every other weekend, you know, once a month, things mm-hmm. like that, you know, you, you, you start kind of like missing yeah. the opportunity because he's a cool kid yeah. you know, and you have fun with it. Then you were like, okay, cool. Well, whenever I come back in town, it's lake season. So let's all go down to the lake. And yeah. now he gets to do all the things that I got to do as a kid, mm-hmm. enjoy jumping off the dock, the boat, tubing, skiing, all the different things. So getting to know Aiden, you know, from, you know, through you then on my own very slowly, I think, you know, that was the best way for both of us. Yeah. Because we knew that it wasn't threatening. Yeah. Right. Um, That's probably the biggest like scare for me was like coming in and seeming threatening to him, Mm -hmm. like I'm taking mom away and creating that division, which I didn't want, Mm -hmm. but you have to be aware of it. Right. And what I loved about a package deal is that like the instant family or insta family, like what mm-hmm. they call it, is like that to me was actually really cool. <laughs> oh, was, I love that. Yeah. No, it was, um, honestly, it was, you know, you wish that you could have been a part of, you know, the, him being born and mm-hmm. all, seeing all the, everything up to those points. But, you know, for people who are kind of worried about the insta family situations, like mm-hmm. you get two for the price of one. Yeah. You, know, you get to walk right into a great situation, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. there was, you didn't put any responsibility on me. There was no stress. Mm-hmm. It was like, I wanted to be helpful. I wanted to be a part. I wanted to be contributive 
contributory. Contributory, yeah. Yeah. So um, that to me was actually a great time. You know, as as time went on, there was, you know, everybody has their bumps in the road. But what was really unique about our situation, I feel like, is that we all collectively kind of sorted through it. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. It's I think the the time period gave us all the opportunity, including Aiden, to kind of warm up to the situation and mm-hmm. not having to do anything unnatural, but being able to just kind of stair step the whole process. And mm-hmm. for the two of you to get to know each other organically and on your own, just little drips at a time versus just being completely emerged or thrown into a different dynamic. Because, you know, poor Alex, you know, Aiden was basically raised by a village of women for the first couple of years of his life. That's true. There was, you know, there was a Mima, there was a sissy, there was mama, there was Aunt Jen, there was, you know, Aunt Brady, Aunt Quartz. I mean, just this village of women just doting on him and his every need, you know, and loved by his, you know, fiercely protective mama. Oh, yeah. And so to come in, you know, to kind of be the first male figure in his life, um, given the background was probably a tough dynamic and you know there were some growing pains for all of us but I think what was special is how you did approach it with Aiden how Aiden approached it with you um you know I think of memories like at that little apartment um you know in Brittany Square and I was working late one night and it was Christmas season and I was stressed that I couldn't get my decorations up and everything and you and Aiden went out went to Hobby Lobby bought a bunch of decorations bought a tree and I came home one night late from work 8 30 or 9 o'clock at night and you guys had decorated the whole our whole little apartment our whole little Christmas tree um, and so I think it was moments like that that connected the two of you connected all three of us just you know little bits at a time um, which was super special mm-hmm. but I think that was really neat and I hope that's you know kind of a hopeful inspirational message to women that are out there um, that are single moms that are dating that are looking um, there is a prince charming that's out there you know and 100%. I think if you view being a single mom as, you know, an asset and as your secret weapon, um, you're going to attract the right person. And I loved what you said is that I think a big part of what you fell in love with me was also like the mom that I was. And I had the, I didn't know that at the time, but I was showing you that just in sharing, you know, what Aiden and I had done for the day or were doing for the weekend or how I was parenting. Um, and so I think women shouldn't be afraid to, you know, show that off and be who they are and be strong and confident in the fact um, um, that they're raising a child on their own and what that takes. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember you bragging on me to your friends, which was unusual or not what I expected given what I had anticipated dating might look like as a single mom. But you were like, yeah, she's a badass. She works full time. She's raising this incredible son. She prioritizes him. Um, and I just thought that was really special and unique the way that you viewed all that. Well, the, I think so that I'd like to add there is like you get to see the type of love somebody has in them whenever you watch them raise a child right so like huge heart huge love and it's like wow like i want to be a part of that no so that was cool to see and you know being in that circle of love that you just got a ton of it Mm, and love that about you love watching that um the relationship that you and aiden have is incredibly special Mm -hmm. from the bond from early on Mm -hmm. But the fact that you guys talk on the regular now and whenever you talk, you guys are pals. Like it's not it's not the parental type of thing. Like you guys are great friends yes. and you have immense love for each other. And this is spilled over to our daughter mm-hmm. and watching the love that she receives from you through, you know, getting to see it from birth until, you know, now with her. It's like the amount of love that you share is to me, it's just endless. Yeah. So. 
Well, I agree with that. And I feel the same way about you as a parent. And I know, I mean, I've heard in other relationships sometimes, you know, a spouse getting jealous of the parent-child relationship. Um, and there are moments. And there are moments. Sure. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, especially we've, you know, our kids are 10 years apart. So we've been raising basically two only children at different times. So it's like the, you know, two's company, three's a crowd situation. But I feel like we've always found a way to navigate through that. Um, but I also think it's really special to see, like you mentioned, when you can watch someone you love loving on someone else, you mm-hmm. know, and get to just sit back and appreciate that and appreciate that bond. Um, I think that's super special too. And I think you gave Aiden and I room and space to have and keep that bond, um, you know, but also just, you know, wanting to come in and make the whole bond stronger. Mm-hmm. And it did. It filled a huge gap for all of us, which was super special. Um, okay, so you know we were we were long distance for a bit. Um, you know, obviously you had your own career in DC. Um, I do <laughs> want to share, or feel like I need to share the conversation when you told me that you were moving closer to to be closer to me. Do you want to share with the listener how close you got? Uh, I got to St. Louis. <laughs> Six hours. You reminded me that I was. You were going to be six hours closer than you were in D.C. So let's be honest. It was twelve hours closer. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Right. So and it was a Southwest flight away nonstop. Yes. So I'm looking at the, all the positives. <laughs> so Stacey had this bang up career. Clearly, she wasn't going to move like from her career with her child to St. Louis. She wanted me to move from D.C. back to Tulsa in cybersecurity at that time there were no jobs in Tulsa and cybersecurity. That's true. Right. And so St. Louis is about as close as I've found, like without stifling my own career mm-hmm. to get closer to you. But, you know, fair is fair. You know, honey, I'm going to move <laughs> I know. to St. Louis. Well, in the rear view, now that you mention it, I mean, you know, we were both babies at the time, like you had said. I mean, how old would you have been when you were in St. Louis? 26. I was 24. You were 26. 26 and 27 sounds about right. Yeah. So we were both, I mean, here we were, I mean, me, a new young parent, we're both new and young in our careers. We're both ambitious. We're both driving towards our goals, but also, you know, trying to merge our lives together, but not sure exactly what that looks like. Obviously looking back, it it worked to our benefit because we got time and space to be who we were, to establish our relationship, to establish a relationship with Aiden. But finally you moved back to Tulsa. Finally, I get you back there. The first career opportunity that surfaced, (laughs) I was back. So we were back. You came back. The three of us kind of start to get to live our lives together as a unit. Um, During that time, you know, we get engaged and we're ready to kind of start our life together. You're finally feeling settled coming back into Tulsa after having at one point sworn off ever moving back. You come back because All for you. you're in love and 100%. I'm in love and we're getting ready to start our family. Um, my career is thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, every and- turn, like every time I talked to you, I felt like something like good and new was happening with your career. Well, so that was, awesome. well, I mean, it was either a big deal or it was a promotion yes. or it was, you know, salesperson of the month, salesperson of the year, like whatever the case was, your career is booming. So I want to share with the listener just kind of our two perspectives on a pretty pretty big kind of life critical moment. So I've shared with the listener kind of my vision, you know, when I was younger with my dad that I wanted to grow up and be a businesswoman in New York or Chicago. <laughs> and so, you know, you've moved back to Tulsa. Um, we're all kind of getting settled in. We're happy kind of with where we live. We're happy with our independent careers. And then I get a call. Mm-hmm. 
to open up the Chicago office. Mm -hmm. And for me, personally and selfishly, I'm like, ah, you know, Eureka, this is my moment. This is what I've dreamed of. This is what I've planned on here. Now it's my turn, you know, to move and to go live that life. Um, but you've just gotten back. You've just gotten settled. Mm -hmm. And um, as I recall, you probably recall it differently, but I came over. I kind of thought you were going to be excited because you were such a big city guy and you had lived in D.C. and St. Louis and you were up for new adventures. Um, but I basically put on you like, hey, I got this opportunity to move to Chicago. Let's go. <laughs> what was your how you know, what was your perspective in all of this? What the fuck? <laughs> like all this going on about moving from DC to St. Louis back to Tulsa and I finally get here and 18 months later it's guess what we're off to Chicago I was like dude like things were going on with my family at the time yes. and you know being you know proximity mattered yeah right you wanted then. to be close to your you parents wanted to be close needed to be close to your parents yeah and so i think any other moment would have you would have seen a different response but the stress level of you know basically changing careers, moving. So I had left what I came back to Tulsa for, and I started with another company that I was excited that I was in the South Central mm -hmm. and going to be covering the South Central. Yeah. So it was a blend of, okay, I have to have this conversation with, you know, at the time my boss, mm -hmm. right? And then now I need to see if they're even going to keep me around because I'm now I'm moving to North Central. Right. Right. So how is that going to work? And then, you know, the whole family aspect of it being, you know, the proximity side of it, like no two ways about it. I was ecstatic for you again, yeah. couldn't have been more excited that you were the one out of everybody, every sales leader they picked to start their first regional presence. Couldn't have been more proud. It just came at a, like at an awkward time for me. And so trying to sort through all of that, plus with the, you know, having just moved back and gotten settled, mm -hmm. you know, reestablished, you know, the friend group Career, and everything. Career, friendships, yeah, you so had a great was, house, that A-frame on Brookside that it was we loved. <laughs> that was so fun and like yeah. such a fun community. It was, it was cool. It was cool. And I think the piece that I want to highlight, because as I reflect on my career and, you know, how I was able to go from, you know, living with Mima in a trailer and bags to the boardroom. I mean, moving to Chicago and accepting that position, in my opinion, was like a critical career defining move because, um, you know, it showed my boss that I was willing, you know, to make a sacrifice. And there was a lot of other people that might have been more qualified to run that office than me. But I was the one, maybe, maybe not, but I was the one willing to go. And, um, you know, it wasn't a sacrifice that me to me at the time because I was excited. This was a part of my life vision. It was a promo. It right. was a promotion. I was going to be making more money than I had ever made. Um, I was going to be leading leaders for the first time. I was going to be living in a new city that I was excited about. But it came at the expense to you at that time. And, you know, one thing we talk about is, you know, um, which is not something that I'm proud of, but you know, we were kind of on the fence as to whether or not to move or to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I was basically like, I'm going. <laughs> I remember that moment vividly. So share, share from your perspective what that felt like. Um, you know, wh why did you ultimately decide to go? What were your emotions around kind of hearing that? Why did you decide to go? Because, I mean, I think for our relationship, we could have probably gone right or left at that point. Oh, you for know? sure. I mean, it was, things were, you know, like you had said, you had just gotten settled. 
you know, it would have been better for you to stay in Tulsa with your family dynamic. And here, you know, you've moved back, you've moved across the country for this woman, and now you've gotten settled where she wanted to be. And then, you know, 18 months later, she's like, and we're moving to Chicago. I mean, probably, you know, I remember, I remember the moment because I was sulking in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I think I was probably hungover. I don't know, <laughs> but you came over and you uh, you just sat down on the bed. You're like, listen, I'm going to Chicago, and you can come with us, or you don't have to. And you know, we're going, and if you you know want to wait and you know, stay here for six months and see how it shakes out because, you know, at the time, like we, we had strengthened our relationship, but, you know, we had just been living together for, I think, not living together, living in the same city, city for yeah, we yeah, 12 to 14 yet. months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like there weren't rocky times during that period with us as well. Like yeah. moving back, there was an adjustment with, Absolutely. you know, between the two of us and mm-hmm. um, expectations and time and, you know, just the entire dynamic, you know, it was rolling the dice for me too. Yeah. Like you were going to go for me. It was like, is is she the one? Like you need to make certain that when you say yes to this, that you actually mean it. And that's why I was on high center Mm -hmm. for the longest time. I was like, if I move there, we move in together, that is going to have, a significant impact and meaning to Stacy, to Aiden, mm-hmm. and you. This is this is the kind of the moment. Yeah, like you need to make up your mind. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was, you know, not going to lie. Like I was kind of like, this is completely selfish. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, in all reality, looking at that moment, how awesome it was for you. And I was like this doesn't happen to everybody. Very, very, very few people ever get this at bat, given the trajectory of the fact that they had just brought on funding, where they were going, how quickly they were getting there, mm-hmm. um, watching your success within the business, you, know, you could see this coming a mile away. Yeah, Like there was gonna have to be something because your leadership capabilities in the business were just known. Mm-hmm. So getting on board, the toughest part of, about getting on board was that decision of if you're going, you need to make certain that she is the one. Yeah. So after you left, you know, I kind of, at the time I was living with my buddy Josh, right? <laughs> oh yes, I remember. <laughs> uh, Cohabitating, if you will. Well, he was, he needed a place to stay. I thought, well, here we really are, I really growing up, moving towards adulthood and marriage and what have you, and you've invited your buddy to move in with your dragon carpet rug. <laughs> you know, we felt adult about it. Right. Well, whether you did or not. Yeah. Well, again, but, looking back, we were still kids at that time. Yeah. Now, I mean, um, once I made the decision, that's kind of how I work. Like, once yeah. the decision's made, I'm all in. Yeah. It just took me a little bit to get there. Even the night that we arrived there, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? And you know that was that was a mess in and of itself, just getting there, getting moved in, and I was you know had committed, was all in, but I was like, we couldn't get the moving truck close enough to the apartment, and so okay, so here's the problem. And then the night before, you know, where do we put the dog? And I was like, this is you know, what have you done? Yeah. Um, but once we got into that apartment and we started living, I was like, well, we're back in a big city. This is awesome, walkable mm-hmm. community. 
uh, with my people. We were having fun. We were enjoying it. You made every effort to make sure that we were walking or doing or living in this new city. And so that, that eased it. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely tough. Yeah. Well, I think it, it was, it's just like one of these critical life defining moments where it's like, okay, you, you've got to pause in where you're at and your life is either going to go right or left. And just the pressure of the, the weight of that decision sometimes is almost paralyzing because, you know, for, from my perspective, here's, here's the man of my dreams. I mean, this is the man I want to be with the man I want to marry, but I knew you didn't want to go. And also mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, but over here, this is all I've ever dreamed of. This is all I've ever wanted. This is this is what I said I was going to do, what I set out to do. Um, I've shared with the listener, you know, I'd lost my dad a few years prior. And so the, the purpose I found out of that pain and his passing was that I'm gonna make you proud. Like, mm-hmm. just watch me. Now I know that I've got this like angel on my side guiding me through. And so here was this opportunity doing this thing he and I had always talked about. And it just felt like, I mean, I, I remember feeling torn too. I remember planning in my head that I was going to say no, that I was going to walk away, that I was going to stay, that I was going to take a different job and just walking through all these scenarios in my mind. But somewhere in my bones, I knew I had to stay true at this time to what I needed to do and what I needed to pursue. And it definitely felt selfish. But it also felt like just one of those decisions you knew you had to make. Mm-hmm. And that if you said no you might not get another opportunity to say yes. Well, and there's a resentment part of that as well. Like if you would have passed that opportunity Mm -hmm. and we would have stayed in Tulsa, it would Mm -hmm. have been the same old thing, right? You would have been passed over for opportunities in the future. You know, who knows how that all would have shook out. Mm -hmm. Who knows, right? The resentment behind that decision to stay was going to be so overwhelming that I don't know that we would have like we would have been able to recover. Yeah, you're probably right. So yeah. the the easy part of this was we could always move back. Yeah, and that's what right. I just had in the back of my head yes. the whole time. I was like, we can go there, and if it's miserable, if it's whatever it is, we can always move back. Yeah. For crying out loud, I've moved back to Tulsa like five <laughs> times already. So moving back a sixth time or a seventh time wasn't going to make a difference. Yep. Which we did. Yeah. Well, I think that's important too. It's kind of a pattern in some of the people that I've talked to or interviewed um, in making major life decisions is remembering just that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always go back to the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may regret not taking the shot. And so, you know. Take the shot. Take the shot and yeah. go for it and take a chance. And obviously for us, it paid off. It's kind of cool because we just came back from taking our daughter to Chicago, you know, 15 years later, showing her where Aiden learned how to ride his bike and his first school and our old stomping grounds. And it just definitely had me feeling very nostalgic about our relationship and all that we accomplished and achieved together as a family. That time for me career-wise was extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. But what was really, what was happening that was even more important was the personal dynamic of the three of us living together for the first time and the three of us becoming a family and you know getting married and I remember our first kind of Christmas together um, and after all that I think kind of angst and worry about you know is this the right move is she the right one you know you were the first of your friends I need to mention to get married um, at what were you 31 Yes. 31. So yeah, you still felt like, some of your friends still felt like you were rushing, um, even though we had been dating for five years because they were all still single. But going back to our first Christmas, I remember you know, you sitting there and being like, this is nice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And you were like, 
I just really love being married and I really love our family. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> it took you long enough to get here. I knew, I knew early on. So, you know, it just goes back to, you know, what I've shared with you in the past is I have to be certain. Yes. Right. Well, and I, you my timing is a little bit longer than yours. Well, I, I will say for our kids, I want them to take their time. I think, mm-hmm. you know, choosing the right partner is one of the biggest life decisions you're ever going to make. And if you are someone that's ambitious and has big goals and big dreams, you want to find somebody else who brings that out in you. And I think that's what we've both found in each other, which mm-hmm. is super special. Well, it's really cool about that. I just want to point it out. Yeah. You were working so much during that time, like your office was 13 miles away, which in Oklahoma City is nothing, but in Chicago, where we lived close to downtown, and your office was at Mm O'Hare, you're having to drive an hour easily each way. Yeah. Right? So your day was not eight hours or nine hours long. Mm -hmm. It was like 10 or 11, sometimes 12 hours long. Yes. I got the opportunity to spend all that time with Aiden. So walking him to school, picking him up Mm -hmm. from school whenever I wasn't traveling. And so he and I would pal around, got to know each other extremely well. You know, it it just kind of the the baking in period whenever, like before we got married, but while we were in Chicago and you were working and, you know, he and I were paling around. That was great. Like that, I think, really prepared me for what marriage was going to be like mm-hmm. and validated everything that I wanted to know about, okay, cool, is this going to work? Yeah. You know, are Aiden and I are going to work out? Yes. You know, is he going to like me? Am I going to like him? Mm-hmm. Which is critical. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So um, that period was actually really cool. Yeah, I love that. Well, it makes me think of, you know, when we talk about or when I think about like, a good partner and a good spouse for both of us, you know, obviously you want a supportive spouse, but also like um, a helpful spouse. Um, And, you know, I mean, just breaking it down in terms of, you know, traditional versus non-traditional roles. I mean, during that time, you were doing all the heavy lifting. You were making lunches, you were walking him to school, you were making dinner, you were doing laundry, you were doing after-school activities and sports and pickups and teaching him how to ride his bike. And so it's like, it's not just, I don't think to me it's enough just to be supportive of your wife or husband, but it's also important to be helpful, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I think that's something in you that I really value. I definitely give your mama a lot of credit for. <laughs> so I want to talk just a little bit about that, about, mm-hmm. you know, how you were raised or, cause I think obviously that's a big part of what makes us, us. You've always been a huge supporter and an advocate for women. Um, so where did you, where did you learn that? I mean, women were badass. So I watched my dad. Uh, my dad was always extremely supportive of my mom, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, you know, yeah. from everything that I saw. And then I saw, you know, I, I you know, you go through the standard, um, you know, we had really rigid manners mm-hmm. from my grandmother, Mimi. Mm-hmm. Um, that carried on through my mom to us. And we always, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. How can we help? you know, let me do the dishes like that. It was just, it was just part of who it was just ingrained in who we were as kids. Um, but watching, you know, watching the way that my dad treated my mom, watching Mm -hmm. the way that my dad did not tolerate men and how they treated their wives Mm -hmm. and how they would talk to their wives and just hearing him say, you know, I don't want to hang out with so-and-so because I don't like the way that he talks to his wife. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And that makes me, it just, drove him nuts. Yeah. And they were, you know, I mean, it wasn't like they hung out with a ton of people where the you know, husband was rude to the wife, 
there were times that it was vice versa. Yeah. And even to this day, he stands by those things. And it's like, if somebody's not being nice to somebody else mm-hmm. and just like condescending, rude, um, dismissive, mm-hmm. you know, the types of the types of things that you would not want to see. And, you know, a couple that's supposed to be married, cheering each other on, each mm-hmm. other's best friends. Yeah. Um, you know, hearing him say, like, I don't even know why they're married. They yeah. clearly hate each other. Oh, right. So like yeah. th- just those things, but watching the, the, the stand that he would take mm-hmm. and actually watching him at one point, um, you know, tell another man, like, uh, if you're going to continue talking to your wife that way, then we're just going to leave. Yeah. We're not here for this. So um, that to me was, I loved seeing that. Mm-hmm. And that actually like that in my core is like women are equal. They've always mm-hmm. have been. They deserve mm-hmm. every ounce of respect treatment that I would give to a male. Yeah. Right. And that's just the way I was raised. And it was my mom ingrained it, my dad ingrained it. Mm-hmm. I got to watch it. You know, I got to watch my mom. Um, and she didn't tolerate that type of behavior either. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that, um, you know, I want to make sure that Aiden knows mm-hmm. and that Ava know. Yeah. Um, you know, you've seen it through my actions and, mm-hmm. you know, I know that Aiden has, you know, probably, uh, observed, you know, how I try to treat you mm-hmm. as well as Ava. And hopefully that is something that he carries on. Yeah. I have every confidence that he will based on, you know, how he treats women today yeah. that I know of, um, particularly his little sister, particularly mm-hmm. his mom. Yeah. So I really hope that that carries on. And I hope that Ava's, you know, observing and noticing how Aiden, is treating her and you in the way that I treat you and her, mm-hmm. right? So those are the types of things that I really want her to understand. Well, I think respect is a big theme that you just talked about there that I think is just so critical. Um, you know, in our marriage, that's one thing that we talk about even when we're, you know, we've had our times. Oh, yeah. What are we on? Third marriage therapist? Third therapist. <laughs> so, so. We've got little great tidbits from each one. And when we've decided we didn't like them anymore, we're on to on to the next one. Um, yes. But the one thing that we come back to, even when you and I are arguing, which we've we've had our doozies, um, and sometimes where we just don't even like each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we love each other. I hope the love's still there, but sometimes the like um, can be hard to find. But the thing that always seems to exist between you and I or that we try to preserve, I think to the best of our ability, is that level of respect mm-hmm. um, for one another as just human beings, as just people that we, you know, you're someone that I admire. You're, you know, who you are as, you know, a husband and as a dad and as a friend and your character overall are something that I hold in really high regard and is something that I think is just, um, really important when you're looking for a partner that the character piece is there because I think you want to marry somebody that you respect mm-hmm. um, because when you do respect your partner um, I think it also brings out a level of challenge in the other one you want to see that person be their best mm-hmm. um, you see what they're capable of even when they're at their weakest moment um, and you can kind of help them get back on track and that's another thing I want to talk about because I think you know the successes are easy to see in our career through promotions and accolades and all the things, but there was a lot of really um, dark moments for me. And um, honestly, I can think back to several critical points in my career that I wanted to give up, that I wanted to quit, that I wanted to throw the towel in. Um, And you were there each time as a supporter, as an encourager, and as a challenger Mm -hmm. um, to, 
and you made it not about me not leaving my career or not leaving the company, but you made it more about me making a commitment to me to honor my highest and truest potential. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of my favorite stories is thinking about um, right after we had just had Ava, I think she was a year old or so. I know she still took, I think, two, two naps a day. So she must have been under one. I was at the height of my career, ton of responsibility. You know, um, you were starting TokenX at the ground level, still a lot of hustle, a lot of challenge, nothing certain at the time. We had just moved our family again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit. Um, maybe I should kind of go back to that. Um, but we had moved our family again to Oklahoma City for another awesome promotion. And I was being asked to come over to run operations, um, which we knew was another incredible opportunity. So oh, we, yeah. we move again from Chicago to Tulsa. We're settled back again in Tulsa, doing our normal Tulsa thing for a year and a half, having fun. But then another phone call comes. I call you. Let me backtrack a little bit. I call you um, one night. I go to a, a sales meeting, and we know that things all often happen at sales You're at a meetings. Thunder game. We always knew that if I was going to be, you know, with the, the CEO or the powers that be, there was a possibility for conversations of moves, of promotions, of challenges, of change. Um, and they always seemed to come, you know, when it was like, oh, we're good, we're settled. And so I don't know if you remember that phone call, but I called you one Friday night, and I was like well, sit down, you're not gonna believe this one, it's happening again. Um, <laughs> and I shared with you you know, the promotion and the opportunity and that we were being asked to move to Oklahoma City. Again, the money was more than what we'd ever been offered. Um, you know, The opportunity to really run operations. What were your thoughts and feelings during that move? Well, I mean, the, the move from Chicago, like to kind of, I guess, step back a little bit. The move from Chicago back to Tulsa was actually a great move. Uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, I think that uh, we had experienced enough of Chicago and big city life to know that we weren't getting the quality of life mm-hmm. that we wanted to have, particularly with Aiden. It was just harder Yeah. Um, to get to sporting events, to mm-hmm. even find sporting events, because school like school events in Chicago are non-sanctioned. Yeah, no, right. no organized right. sports. We couldn't find babysitters. We couldn't didn't find have babysitters. babysitters we trusted. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... No family support, which we're both very close with our families. I remember that phone call where I was in uh, Scottsdale at a conference, and you said, it's time for us. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this sales thing. I, I'm sick and tired of being on the road, and it's, you know, 13 hours a day, 12 hours a day, whatever it was. You're, you said, I'm done. I'm going to call, and I'm going to talk with uh, my boss, let him know that I'm out. And sure enough, you know, I look at my boss. I was like, hey, I guess I'm moving back to Tulsa because he was there at the conference with me. And he's like, we just got you established in North Central. And now yeah. you're supporting Chicago and Minneapolis and, you know, Kansas City and Omaha and all the areas up there. What do you mean? So now you're coming back to Tulsa and you're going to cover North Central? I said, I guess so. Um, fortunately, you know, they were super cool as long as I was willing to travel. Yeah they were good with it. So moving back to Tulsa was actually really good. It gave you a chance to, you know, cool your jets a little bit mm-hmm. from a career standpoint because you've been burning hot for 18 months, 14 months. Yeah, and I just wanted to do mommy stuff. Yeah. I wanted to do drop-offs and pickups and after school and mm-hmm. all the regular things. And uh, your boss at the time wouldn't let you. So you stayed on as a sales trainer, mm-hmm. right? And so fast forward a year and you went from sales trainer to sales and operations trainer 
developed entire curriculas, you know, the foundation of Paycom U, right, that they use for internal trainings, you had built all of that. Mm-hmm. And watching you build it and being, you know, kind of part of it, sharing my nerdy little, like, Snagit tool, <laughs> yeah, whenever, like, we knew something was coming because you were just killing it. And when you went to this, you know, sales training, um, we we talked about it before you went. Like, okay, what are you going to do? If it approaches you with something, you're like, say no. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was preparing yeah. to say no. I was planning on saying no. I was visualizing myself saying no because I was so happy. Yeah. And also, um, I was pregnant with Ava at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was really envisioning this new, easier pace, this new, easier life, both my kids at home, you know, getting to do homeroom mom type of things and work. And I loved my job at the time. So yeah, I was, I was preparing to say no. Yeah. You can't, you can't really gloss over that period because it's instrumental to where you got to. Mm -hmm. And because you were, you would basically, so watching that and watching you do it, it was only natural that at some point there was going to be a knock at the door. Well, here it was and get the call and you're so excited. You're really (laughs) nervous. Should I say yes? And I can hear uh, Brad in the background going, mm-hmm. say yes, Stacey, you have to do this. Say yeah. yes, yeah. right? Yeah. Cheerleader from day one, yes, like the sure. minute that happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's time for your career to start ramping back up. Mm-hmm. You know, I just started Tokenex and it was going slow and I still had, you know, the job with uh, True, mm-hmm. you know, that I was doing kind of, you know, full time with Tokenex on the side. Right. So it was going to be an easy you know, an easy transition for me to move. Now it's just a matter of, are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. And you were ready for it. And um, again, seeing your trajectory and opportunity, looking at where Paycom was, it was like, you can't, you, you don't say no to this opportunity. No. Yeah, I mean, as much as either of us wanted to maintain the level of comfort that we had, mm-hmm. there's no chance that we were gonna pass up the opportunity because again, you know, there's only so many people that get an opportunity that comes down the pipe. This is the second or third opportunity that you've been given as you progress your career, performed, outperformed, um, made a name for yourself. And here, I mean, it was lifting off. Yeah. Well, it's funny as you talk about that, I think about the conflicting feelings inside of me. You know, I mean, it's like I was practicing saying no, but I knew I would say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's just... I mean, honoring that part of you, honoring that drive and that ambition and that opportunity and that chance. And I was able to do it because I had a partner that was like, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to do this. This is what you were meant to do. And you can't say no. And we've got to go for it. And, you know, I love how you always say, like, luck, skill, timing, you know, don't screw up the order. Um but timing the timing piece on this one was like, well, this isn't a good time. You know, I'm five weeks pregnant. Um, and... So, and we, I also had to move right away to Oklahoma City on my own, lived out of a hotel room, um, drove home on the weekends. You again were, you know, pulling daddy duty with Aiden during the week, starting your company, starting your career. Um, and we lived apart for what, three or four months during that time? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. You got our house ready to sell. I was living in Oklahoma City without you. Um, but anyway, back to, back to the story I was going to tell is that so we all get to Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. finally. Um, you know, we've had Ava, and you know, things are things are are going well, but it's really tough. I mean, I have a ton of responsibility. Um, I think I've got you know 10, 12, 
mainly men reporting to me at the time. I think I'm responsible for at that time, a couple hundred, couple hundred people. Um, I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm having to, you know, retool um, in terms of my skills and, and mm-hmm. what I understand and to make sure that I'm, you know, worthy in this role. Plus I've got a baby, plus I've got a 10 year old, plus you're doing your career. And I remember one afternoon laying Ava down for a nap and it was a Saturday and I was just so exhausted. I'd had a hellacious week. I was sleep deprived. I, I probably was killing it at work. I was probably doing well there, but I felt so exhausted at home. I felt mm-hmm. like I just, it was too much that I couldn't do it anymore, that I'd gone as hard and as fast as I could. And um, it was a beautiful day. And I remember you know, putting her down, pouring a little afternoon uh, glass of wine, sitting down on the back porch with you and being like, I can't do this anymore. This is, this is too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. I can't, it's just too much from every angle trying to manage all these dynamics and I just can't do it. If I'm succeeding at work, I feel like I'm failing at home. If I'm succeeding at home, I feel like I'm failing at work. And I, I just, I can't. And do you remember what you said to me? No, I, I, I just said, you don't have to, you know, just, Give it one more day, if you don't like it tomorrow. Whenever you come home, and it was a it was a Sunday, I believe. Um, but if you come home and you want to quit, then you'll quit, and we'll be fine. But yeah. let's you know let's play this out. If you quit, you know we're here in Oklahoma City, we'll be fine. You know Token X is doing well. You'll find another job. You'll you know something less stressful. But you know, let me ask you this: What happens if we go the other way? and we just stick with it, the opportunity for you to hit big or to me to hit, for me to hit big is right there. Mm -hmm. And so like in this stage of life, the only things that we should be caring about are our careers and our family. Like what happens if we just swing for the fences? Hmm, Honey, okay, let me me add some detail to the story. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, you said what happens if we swing for the fences? But you also, you know, when you played it out, you were like, okay, well, yeah, absolutely. We could stay here. We could move to Tulsa. You know, you could get a great job um, at six figures. I could, you know, take a, you know, C-level security position at a company, also make six figures. And we'd live a nice life. We'd get a nice house. We'd have our two kids. We'd have that work-life balance that we've always been looking for. Um, And we can do that. We could absolutely do that. And Mm -hmm. that is an option that is on the table. I promise you that is there if that's what you truly want to do. And you said, or we could go the other direction. And you said, you know, Stace, here's the deal, is that you and I were not made to play small. Mm -hmm. You and I were made to swing for the fucking fences. Yep. And I just, you know, I just. Waterworks. Water, (laughs) I want to swing for the fucking fences. Let's, you know, let's go, let's do it. And, you know, it was just like such a critical moment because you, we both saw each other in that moment. Like, this is really hard. Mm -hmm. This is really hard. This is the hardest it's ever been. Maybe the hardest it's going to get. I don't know. Or it's going to get harder. But feeling like as a team, we had decided we're going to do the hard thing. Mm-hmm. And we both know that we're capable of it. We are both in this together. We are going to prioritize in this moment these, our, our, our family, first mm-hmm. and foremost. What Oklahoma City did afford us is that neither one of us had to travel anymore. Right. And so we could be present at Aiden Sporting events and for Ava, the, you know, the best we could. Um, 
so we prioritized our family and our careers. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a whole lot of room for anything else, but we agreed that we were going to lean into those things as fully as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you said, I'm going to do whatever I can do to support you in this, whatever that looks like. Bribery. You totally did. I mean, you would, I would come home and I'm super lucky because you're this amazing cook and chef, but I'd come home and you'd have dinner popping and like a, you know, a nice glass of wine ready for me. Um, and that was everything to me during that time. I mean, between you and also Mima, which is probably a whole nother episode, but Mima had moved with us to help mm-hmm. support and take care of the kids during the day. Yeah. And you guys, made sure that every domestic need was taken care of. So that when I got up from the time I left till the time I came home, everything was accounted for and taken care of. So I could come home, eat with you guys, um, still make bath time, still make bedtime, still be present for homework and tuck in and all the things, mm-hmm. um, and then go back and do it again without you know any additional noise on the home front. And yeah. to me, that was just, I, I don't know how I could have done it without that level of help and support and encouragement. Um, and I loved that in that moment we rallied and we made a decision, um, not in terms, even just in terms of what we were going to do, but who we were, mm-hmm. who we are as a team. Um, and now, you know, SFF is a thing, you know, is a little LLC that we have um, that we do in terms of kind of our business and our investments. And I just think it's a it's a really impactful, was a really impactful time in our career and got us through some of our really hard days. You bet. Well, I mean. Once we once we made that decision, it was full tilt. Yeah, there wasn't any looking back, and it's just I think it speaks to kind of the commitment to each other that we had, and we knew what it was going to take. Yeah, we knew it was going to be uncomfortable. Um, it was just going to be a rough few years until things sorted themselves out. Yeah. So, um, if had I sensed any hesitation in that moment. I would have been terrified for leaning into it, but yeah. uh, you know, just watching you get excited and be like, you know what, you're right. Like, this is just who we are. Yeah. And watching you kind of like even in the following days, weeks, months, whatever, lean back into it as heavily as you did, um, knowing it was going to be as tough as it was going to be, um, and continue to accelerate, like when you were on the stage at the New York Stock Exchange, I was like, thank God we had that conversation. <laughs> like well, watching you up there, I remember you know, just thinking about, mm-hmm. that was a big turning point. That was probably the turning point from a career standpoint of, you could either stay you know, as the director of operations, mm-hmm. eventually you know, ran up to COO and on the platform, right? But you could have stayed director of operations and had a more comfortable existence, but that's not, again, who you were designed to be. Yeah. So it was pretty easy, pretty easy to see where you were going to go after that decision. Well, thanks, honey. I'm mm-hmm. super, super appreciative. But I do, I think hard work and sacrifice, mm-hmm. there just really aren't shortcuts when it comes to success. Sometimes I think people are looking for that or looking for the easy button and the million dollar idea. And sure, maybe there are some of those that are out there, but the idea is just the beginning of it. It's just that 1% and the other 99 really are, you know, 
the work that you put into it and the sacrifice. And I think that day too, we had a real mindset shift mm-hmm. of like, well, it's going to be hard and I'm expecting it to be hard and I can handle it. And I got confidence through that too, of like, I can do hard things mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, a whole you know tribe of people rallying behind me and supporting me and rooting me on. And it wasn't just for me, it was for you and it was for Mima and it was for our kids. Um, and there are there is no greater purpose, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of leaning in, and um, so yeah, that was a super special moment. Really special moment, and you know, bleeding bleeding into that story, the there were times that you would come home and you're like, I don't know if this is the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Like, well, how about a trip? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about we go uh, to Mexico at the end uh, of the quarter? How about we do this? How about we do that? Yeah. Yeah, those types, those types of things, you know, just the reprieve and something to look forward mm-hmm. to, something like to enjoy the fruits of your labor, because it can't always be just work and grind yeah. without any reprieve or any recognition of progress, right? And so those things, yes, it was bribery, but at the same time, it was like, let's take a moment to realize like, what you've done, yeah. what you've achieved, how far we've come, what we're doing. And what's been cool is that, you know, I really feel like, um, you know, you've celebrated my successes as much as, you know, I've celebrated yours. And it's been, you know, it's just been a great partnership independent of a great marriage. Like, put the two together. It's awesome. But it's been fun to watch how we ebb and flow with our careers and who's who's taking a time out while the other one's racing ahead. And then Mm -hmm. who's, you know, as we vacillate between between the two – we find ourselves right now where we're both kind of like, we have a lot of spare time. Yeah, so, <laughs> which is kind of awesome. I know, uh, it's the first time uh, first time in 20 years. Yeah, it's been special and what's well, we still like each other is what we're finding out. We're still doing breakfast dates and- Golf lessons? Trying golfing, yeah, yeah. and pickleball more you so than me. But yeah, it is special. And so I just think we've, you know, I think you grow as much as a couple through your trials and tribulations as you do through the successes and achievements. Um, and so I think when you come through some of the things we've been through and you're like, well, if we can survive that, we can survive anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you really put some of your, your current day problems into perspective. And so now we are in a phase where we're getting to enjoy our life more and we're getting, you know, to pursue our passions and creative pursuits and side businesses and hustles and um, get to be and do and try a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And so I also think that's a very valuable message too for, the listener who's out there is that, you know, the the path we chose may not be for everybody. The hustle, grind, go hard, go as fast as you can, as long as you can, you know, until you're ready to stop. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people might want a longer, more storied career with more work-life balance um, throughout the course of it. And that's, that's fine too. There is no right or wrong answer, but I think in both capacities, making sure that you find a partner um, that sees you for who you are, that loves you for who you are. And that when you're in your darkest moments, just reminds you of your potential and what you're capable of and sees you um, through the good times and the bad times. So that's awesome. Hey everybody, it's Stacy. I hope you are loving this podcast. Please do me the favor and do all the things like subscribe, rate, review, you know the drill. And if you're really loving it, will you do me the favor of sharing with a friend? That would be so awesome. Please leave me a comment as I've talked about my podcast. Feedback is how we all learn and grow. Thanks for listening.